Hey everybody, welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR. I'm Molly. And we are a husband-wife podcast where we typically just have conversations. Uh, we record our conversations. A lot of times, we, most of the time, Molly doesn't tell me what she wants to talk about. And that's usually how it goes. We talk about what Molly wants to talk about. Unless I randomly throw something in there and we discuss it on the show. But point being, uh, our stuff is never planned or really rehearsed. So we're having raw, honest conversations about life, parenting, marriage, and whatever else happens to be culture, yeah. whatever culture, else happens to be money, church, in our brains, uh, skiing, judo, all the things. Um, and last week, I apologize uh, for not being here. We weren't able to join you last week. I don't apologize. Due to, I like to try to be consistent and weekly. That's true. But we, I was working at. Uh, I started working, you were not working ski patrol. No, we started doing ski patrol, That's and true. then we filled up our days, and it just kind of got gnarly. So I think moving forward. No, no, no. Here's what happened last week. I have been complaining all year as we go up. We homeschool our kids, and we oh, ski with right. the rest. Oh, last of, week, not the week before. We right, okay, ski okay, okay. with the rest of the world on Saturdays because we have our kids in the ski program, and it's worth it because our kids are great skiers, especially for and their the, age. Our two oldest are eleven and nine, and the program is a killer deal. It's nine weeks of several hours a lesson every Saturday. And they have a curriculum that they work through and the kids are having fun and they're learning rules. For example, many people don't know, and we wouldn't have known unless you were on ski patrol, that a skiing collision is under Montana law considered a traffic accident. So if you hit someone and you hurt them, you it's like hitting someone in a car. Mm-hmm. And so our kids are learning learning etiquette on skis lift board lift getting on etiquette and stuff anyway but that means that even though we homeschool and we could ski during the week and at our little local ski area that means that you leave when you want and you never stand in a single line and on saturdays our little ski area has gotten busy and popular enough that often we had one saturday that i'm sure i've complained about before where we were almost a mile down the road because the parking lots filled up before the ski area even opened for the day and that was kind of the pattern for most of the rest of the year and our kids got really anxious about parking and so it was either a we leave crazy early or we don't go anyway so this last week we did the we're super homeschoolers thing and we got pounded with snow the best snow of the year and in a multi-state region was, we got some over the weekend, and then JR was doing ski patrol Monday and Tuesday of last week. Because I can drive up Monday morning, work all day Monday, spend the night, in the and van, work again, in, the parking in the van lot. in the parking lot, and ski bum it, and then work uh, Tuesday, which is kind of my plan for next year. So we let I let Titus, I sent his math with him, and some reading, and I said, you have to finish these two books in the evenings when you're just sitting in the van and you have to do a page or two of math in your math book per day. And he did. And otherwise he got to either follow JR around or do his own thing. And speaking of which, where did you find that key? I think we were, you know, so real quick. (laughs) Yesterday, 
Um, right. So tight. Oh, where do I start the story? So I needed Titus and Lily are free to ski all over the mountain. And when we park the van, they might take off. We might split up and separate. And they might want to get back into the van to take a breather or grab a drink or something like that. So I went to Mercedes and had two mechanical keys made up. And so what that is, is a key without the, without the fob. Just so to you, manually open. Just to manually open the car like door. Like in the good old days. Right, exactly. So I, you can only do that on the driver door, but it won't start the vehicle. So I put them on, you know, little coiled leashes and I hung them in the van. I said, and Titus was up with me Monday and Tuesday. And I said, Titus, uh, take one of the keys. And in case we get, cause I'm work, I'm patrolling. And in case I'm busy or I'm on a call or something like that, you can just kind of do whatever you want. So he took a key. Um, he calls me after he's headed down to the van and goes, dad, you're, you're probably not going to be very happy. I'm like, <laughs> what'd you do? What'd you break? He goes, nothing. I, I think I lost the key, a key to the van. And I just got them. And I was like... And they weren't cheap to get copied. No, 95 bucks a key. And you don't get them copied. You have to order them from Mercedes and sign a waiver that you're the owner of the vehicle. And they have to check your VIN and your license and all the things. Anyway, long story short, um, we're doing tear out yesterday up on the mountain. And you know we're pulling all the tower pads off. We're cleaning out dispatch and all the things. And I think the key was found on the floor of dispatch. Uh. So Titus it had fallen out of his pocket or something. And he looked around, couldn't find it. And I was less, you guys, this is a total parenting. I don't, you'll have to tell a, me a how you feel. Grace. You, no, you'll have to tell me how you okay. feel about this. I was less upset about my son losing the key. And more upset that I had a son so dumb, he didn't think to clip the leash to anything. He just stuck it in his pocket. I was like, don't I have a smarter kid than this? Says, really? says the guy who the instant tile became available, your wife got you tiles for everything for Christmas. Yes, but you would think the leash would be, he would connect it to a zipper or a hook for that very reason. Hopefully it was a lifelong learning moment <sighs> for him. So anyway, yeah, so You should have uh, seen his face yesterday when I showed him the picture of it. He just he was so <laughs> relieved. He was so happy. So anyway, you guys, going I back tried not to, to that, come. I tried not to like I I didn't make you tried to make it a learning moment without yeah. I was being like, well, as angry sorry, as you dude, could have been. Like there's a reason there's a clip on it and you owe me 95 bucks now. We'll figure it out. He's like <sighs> I'm sorry, Dad. I'm like, man, it's an accident. I lose stuff all the time. <laughs> it's just mine. I have to own up to it. This is true. So anyway, you guys, I go up Monday and Tuesday and take Titus. Tuesday morning for patrol, we wake up and the snow outside the van in the parking lot is knee deep. And there's a funny little slogan that National Ski Patrol has, and it's knee deep in work. But it's knee deep. And it just was snowing and snowing knee deep and on snowing you, not knee snowing. deep on Titus. Yeah, it was like thigh deeper on Titus, you yeah. know. But it just kept snowing and snowing and snowing and snowing and snowing and snowing. And I won't go into like what it's like to patrol on these super crazy powder days, but it's not the best. Anyway. There was enough snow that they had to delay opening the mountain mm-hmm. so the road could get plowed and so they could blast had for do, avalanches. And we're, we're, we moved away. They're trying to move away from blasting for avalanches because it requires training they're expensive so what do you do uh uh cuts avalanche cuts so if you ski across a face at the right angle with the right kind of cut you can trigger whatever loose stuff might be on top so once we do that then it'll trigger whatever loose stuff is on the top and then you're free to let let public on there so that's what they're trying to work to anyway 
you guys it dumped over 30 inches in a 24 hour period. And so we get, I get done with work on Tuesday and I'm like, Tito, this is too good. Why are we going home? He's like, I don't know. I don't want to go home. How much math did you get done today? Um, I was going to do some when we got to the van. He did read his history book a ton though. He did. He finished it. Yeah. He was, he was. So I said, let's just, I texted you and I said, Hey babe, we're going to, we're going to spend another night skiing. And it was still, (laughs) it was still snowing. So I'm comfortable with that. Well, and I didn't really want to drive and they hadn't plowed, plowed the lower lot yet. So I was like, I'm going to have to dig out if I even want to go anywhere. So I didn't go anywhere. Um, wait till they plowed. They actually had most of it plowed on Wednesday. So Wednesday we get done. We ski all day Wednesday and it's amazing. And I'm like, I don't want to go home. And then you texted me and said, you actually have a bunch of girls here who are really sad. They can't be up with you right now. And I'm like, well, screw it. I'm going to come home and I'm going to get the girls. We're going to eat dinner. We're going to drive back up and we're just going to live in the parking lot for the rest of the week and ski epic snow. And you guys, seriously, Life could not have been much better than that than last week. So Titus and Jr. skied five days in a row and slept in the van the entire time. Oh, and awesome. Lee and Elise slept in the van with you guys Wednesday mm-hmm. night, Thursday night, and skied Thursday and Friday with you guys. And yeah. then they all got home just in time to change clothes and go to Good Friday church. Right, right. So anyway, so that's um, why we didn't have a podcast because now we, that I remember that I posted on tel- on our Telegram group that snow. Pow days greater than podcast days. <laughs> yes. And it was powder a, greater than podcast days. It was a great memory maker for our kids as well as a skill builder and just great fun. And Faith and I had a very relaxing, delightful time at home and got some things mm-hmm. done around here that I hadn't been able to get to during school. So we had a, a really late spring break that I had not init- not planned to take because we're doing a really late spring break next week and going to Hawaii. Yes. Compliments of but, your parents yes. for their 50th wedding anniversary. Yes. If you want, guys, I can give you their mailing address and you can send Molly's parents happy anniversary cards. Hilarious. That'd be really funny. <laughs> yeah, don't, um, don't hand out my parents' address. <laughs> that would not be hand great. Out, hand out your P.O. box and we'll deliver them. Oh, yeah. Okay. So if you want to send... Jim and Kitty are their names. And Jim and Kitty. Kitty listens to the podcast. It's their oh, it's their fiftieth wedding anniversary. Send a happy anniversary card to PO Box eight one one five six, Billings, Montana five nine one zero eight. There, done. I'm I'm done. Too funny. Trolling your parents. You're not trolling them entirely. Also, their anniversary isn't until July, but we're you don't leave Montana in July, uh, so you leave Montana when it's cold out. Uh, let's see if I had any other things. There's a lot of things that I've thought about talking about while we, while you were gone. A lot of water under the bridge. Um, one thing that's happened in the last week. I'm under the bridge. Is that, uh, I've been following these crazy COVID lockdowns in Shanghai. And I don't know, have you followed this at all? I, no. So. I've got better things to do with my time. Well, there's, there's a couple of reasons I'm following mm. it. First of all, first of all, don't insult me like that. Sorry. There's a couple of reasons that I think it's I, important. It, I didn't that, mean for it to come out like an insult. There's a couple of reasons why I think it's important to know what's going on. One is that it's continues to show China's human rights violations, their, their incredible disregard for human life, as well as other life that God has created, which I'll get into in a minute. But 
also <coughs> remember China set the standard for how to respond to COVID in the first place. And they had a month straight of lockdowns prior to COVID even leaving, COVID even being named, first of all, and leaving the Chinese mainland that we knew of and making its way to Europe, to Italy, to the United States. But they they started the lockdowns to begin with. And so there are some people who are calling out a warning and saying this this could be coming our way again. Be prepared. Do you think that this was effective the first time around? And be prepared to stand your ground if you don't think it was effective. And I happen to be in the I don't think it was effective camp. And so I would like to... The lockdowns? Yeah. I happen to think that. Yeah. I don't know if we've ever talked about this before. Sorry, I'm I'm trolling my wife. He is trolling me. I don't know if we've ever talked about this before. Of course we have. There's a lot of there's a lot of responses that I don't think have been effective. Here's another one. I'm going to take a rabbit trail and make a little mental bookmark to come back to Shanghai. Uh, So I have been holding off. I this trip to Hawaii, we will be spending hours and by hours, I mean a full calendar day on the way home in planes and airports. (laughs) And yeah, it's going to be really brutal with the little kids, but we'll survive. It'll we'll document fine. the whole thing on our Telegram channel. Maybe, for you guys. maybe, unless I'm too grumpy, <laughs> 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 which is entirely within the realm of possibility. Uh, um, no, I, I, I am also. I know that this might be controversy with some of you, not with a lot of you. I'm also of a camp that thinks that most masking has been ineffective and done more harm than good. In terms of rebreathing germs and moist air and causing pneumonia and causing speech delays and developmental delays, as well as causing just the depersonalization and the dehumanization. I've read stories of people saying, my doctor used to be so warm and interested in me, and he can't see anything but my eyes. He requires me to wear a mask when I'm there. He wears a mask and he's super brisk and he shuttles me in and out and he doesn't listen to what's actually wrong with me. And I don't know if it's just the mask, but it certainly feels like he sees me as less less of a person and he's less humane to me now that we he's requiring Well, nobody wants to talk a lot when they're wearing a mask. Well, and they can't see. I mean, you mm-hmm. can you can ex- conv- communicate a lot through your eyes, but you can't communicate everything. Your facial expressions are very important for your I whole stick face. my tongue out at a lot of people when I wear a mask. Well, that's gross because then that's just gross. I'm kidding. So anyway, I have been hoping that the CDC and whomever else, TSA, whomever else would stop the mask mandate. Then they decided to renew it. And by then I was at a loss, somewhat of a loss for, I couldn't order masks that would be as breathable as possible for my children and for us to wear on these long lengths of time. And so I decided to go to Hobby Lobby and get some gauze fabric and sew some. So I spent Sunday night sewing masks. And then Monday, (laughs) this judge in Florida strikes down the mandate. And then this domino cascade of of different airlines said that they were going to abide by it, including United, which we're flying on. And who knows if the Biden administration is going to get this appeal. They're going to abide and by... Abide by the... So they're, so United is a private company, right? Yeah. So they're not required now to require masks yeah. on the plane. 
But they, as a private company, could continue to require their they customers. They could, but every single airline said, it's gone. We're not, not every anymore. single airline right away. Just about. Well, now they have. Now they have. But anyway, they, all that to say, I had a really interesting discussion with Titus as I'm sewing the masks about, first of all, I don't think that they have been effective at preventing the spread of COVID. And if you look at statistics now of states that had mask mandates for a long time versus states that didn't, the states that didn't actually have somewhat better outcomes in terms of um, in terms of health and much better outcomes in terms of economics and students learning. So the mask mandates caused tangible harm that has been now documented. But and I know that there's some people who still believe that they do good and that's fine. But for me, I was telling I was trying to teach Titus generally when we read scripture especially the Old Testament and some cultural New Testament things, we try to understand what the spirit of the law is. So the spirit of the law in uh, parapets on your roof is preserving and protecting somebody else's life. That's the spirit of the law behind a... Here's what I found. Sorry. That's I'm trying to look something up while you're talking and... Yeah. Anyway, spirit of the law. So the spirit of the law, uh, Dan Doriani in his book, Putting the Truth to Work, has has great stuff on this if you're interested in where I'm, why I'm specifically citing the parapets on the roof thing. And he says the modern day equivalent to this is handrails on stairs and things like that. You're, you're putting physical infrastructure in place to help preserve human life. And that's following the spirit of you shall not murder because the positive of don't kill is value and preserve life. And so, uh, as I'm explaining to Titus, you look at the New Testament Pharisees and the reason that Jesus railed on them is they had abandoned the spirit of the law and they were following the letter of the law. So don't walk more than a certain number of steps on the Sabbath and don't do work on the Sabbath, which involves, which involves, you know, for Jesus, they were angry because he healed somebody on the Sabbath. And I said, Titus, is that violating the letter of the law or the spirit of the law to say you can't heal someone on this on the Sabbath? Because what's the Sabbath about? It's rest, it's relationship, it's res- restoration and reconciliation. And healing somebody certainly fits within the realm of rest and restoring and reconciliation. And so just that spirit of the law versus the letter of the law. In the Bible, we always seek to understand the spirit of the law. And sometimes that involves obeying the letter of the law, but sometimes it would involve violating the Pharisees' letter of the law in the interest of the spirit of the law. As I'm sewing these gauze masks, I'm saying, in this case, we're abiding by the letter of the law. We will have masks on our faces. But we are not going to abide by the spirit of the law, which is we don't believe that we're actually keeping all of our germs to ourselves. We don't think that's possible anyway, and I'm not going to make you guys sleep on a plane with your faces covered overnight. I struggle a lot to abide by letters of laws when um, either A, well, no, not either. When I don't see a, a good reason for it. Like, that was a big struggle of mine at what I, I did a year at Word of Life Bible Institute. 
they had a lot of, of rules that you had to follow because mm-hmm. they were rules you had to follow. And I just thought they were dumb. And they don't have any bearing on your spiritual life. They don't have any bearing on anything like that. It was just like, these are, these are dumb. And so I didn't, I struggle to follow rules that I think are dumb. I had the same problem at Moody, but. You still have the same problem today. I have absolutely the same problem today. (laughs) I think it's dumb. Then I won't do it. Yes. Unless your wife nags you because it makes me feel bad or look bad. I don't like to make my wife look bad. That's definitely true. <laughs> because okay, the spirit so of the law is loving your wife. Full circle, uh, because I wrote down your mental bookmark. Back Shanghai. to Shanghai. I was actually just thinking that. So so Shanghai, if you guys have not seen these super dystopian vid- videos of literal robot dogs walking through empty streets with loudspeakers yelling at people to stay in their houses and drones doing the same thing, patrolling balconies of high rises and telling people to stay in their inside. They can't even go on the balcony. They have they have apartment complexes. The the gates to them are locked. People can't leave. And if they do leave, they're being they're being beaten, literally beaten on the streets by these people in full hazmat suits. And these people in hazmat suits walk through, like, come into your apartment and spray some unknown substance all over your house. And you're mandatory testing every single day. And if you get a positive test, you get this text notification that you're to be on the bus in front of your apartment at a certain time. And they take you to a quarantine facility that is watching videos. That of would work in, in China because China culturally has been living this way. Had, had, has had this totalitarian culture for several hundred years now. America, boy, there'd be full on civil war. I, it I would be full on. I, I hope guarantee so. you, there would I be think, full on. Civil I think war. that Americans we'd have, be shooting drones out of our windows with our shotguns true. for fun. That's true. <laughs> uh, they're also so people are literally starving to death in China because they're not letting people out of their apartments. And there have been groups of people who have broken out and mobbed grocery stores because they're actually starving. And I imagine that I haven't been to Shanghai, so I don't know if you can drink water straight out of the tap, but there's a fairly famous picture of in a high rise. Somebody took their empty refrigerator and turn and put it facing out on the balcony. They were literally out of food and the government's just like, total lockdown policy which also by the way you guys i haven't i haven't studied this very much yet but i keep meaning to it will impact our supply chain because the shanghai port is shut down it's massive but but anything you want made in china order it now otherwise it's gone oh it's yeah um but what something that has really struck me in watching this besides seeing people there's a couple of westerners that I've followed their stories as they're they're just treated like everybody else. They're put in these quarantine facilities. They're not getting special food. They're getting these like the Westerners are like, I don't I don't know what this thing is on the food that I was given today. No private bathroom facilities. Mm. Like literally they get to go outside for fifteen minutes a day at the one this Italian guy said. And this guy's been this Italian guy that I was following, he has been in China for years. He's part of like a rock band there. He met his girlfriend that he lives with. They've been dating for five years. She's actually Ukrainian. And he went super viral and has been interviewed by people all over the world, even while he was in his quarantine facility. But 
he said, when I, when I'm able to leave, I'm leaving and not coming back because this has shown me a real scary side of what the, this government's willing to do to their people. And the fact that I'm a Westerner doesn't, doesn't do anything special for me. What has struck me though, is this conviction. I look at these quarantine facilities and I don't feel, I feel sad for these people and horrified and grateful that hopefully we, this wouldn't happen to us. Although it did in Australia, people were rounded up and sent to quarantine facilities and locked in and fed food. And yeah, Australia is also a, not a. They don't have a Second Amendment. No. But but no, I guess I'm saying just because we're in the West, we're not immune to that, and we need to be vigilant. Mm-hmm. But also, okay, here's the deeper thing that really struck me: is they go into the apartment if you've tested positive for COVID, and there are videos of them of these white white hazmat people beating people's animals to death in their apartments and oh, and why do they beat them why can't they just shoot them or inject them why i know does it have to be well, so inhumane i don't know what they were doing with these cats but they had literal bags of cats sitting on a curb so they've gone into these apartment complexes and just rounded up people's pets and you know we're you guys were giant oh. pet lovers here and i was actually having this conversation at easter at our dinner table because because with, it's a great Easter conversation. It is, yes. Let's talk about beating Killing cats animals. to death. No, in China. no, I no, I mean. <laughs> so here's the interesting thing about the Christian worldview: is in America we have elevated animals to a status of value. It's it's Romans one, and not in a way that we typically interpret Romans one. But we're worshiping and serving the created thing rather than the creator. And in in America, the created thing is our pets. And endangered animals is one of the forms in which we invert creator-creation worship. And so you have people in big cities who are very lonely and who have pets that they 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 treat them better than... They spend more money on them than we spend on our children. And I'm not even joking about that. On their food, on their medical care, on their daycare, on their special taxis, on their clothing... And they are atta- they are so attached to their pets that they, I don't know how to say this nicely, but they value their pets more than they value human beings. And, and I don't just mean like, oh, you're fine with abortion, but, you know, you worry about this. But also a, an eagle, a bald eagle egg in America absolutely has more protection in some states mm-hmm. than a 39-week gestated baby. Oh, a freaking sequoia tree pine cone has... That's true. ...more protection than... Yeah, so something even inanimate. Um, and so this this inversion of of the worshiping the created thing rather than the creator, but at the same time, I think that the Christian worldview in other cultures calls us to a form of creation care... That it should, you look at the uh, the seared conscience of these people in the white hazmat suits in who are the only ones allowed in the streets in Shanghai besides robot dogs with loudspeakers on them. And the fact that they can, their consciences are so seared that they'll round up bags of cats to probably just toss in the river, I assume. Or they'll beat, and it's not just the, they'll beat an animal, they'll beat an old man too. 
just willy nilly. You know, you you say the wrong thing. You say something rude to somebody who comes into your apartment to spray whatever chemical all over because this is killing killing COVID. And you say something rude, they'll beat you and they'll beat your dog to death in front of you. And the Christian worldview says, no, these are God's creatures that we're called to care for. And so it's this interesting third way that I know, I think that's kind of an overused phrase in the Christian world, but it's what? still true. The third way that... I've never heard it before. Oh, you haven't heard of the third way? Hmm? Oh, Okay. Maybe somebody else out there hasn't either. But but that we can absolutely love our pets. And I feel like we try to model this to our kids with our animals. Like, we are a pet-loving family. Our currently, Faith is napping on our bed with both our dog and one of our cats. And that's where the dog, that dog and that cat always sleep on our bed, even at night. And we, we give them tuna. Every morning, they the cats come in and know it's tuna time, and they walk around meowing until they get their little tuna treat. Our our pets live a pretty cush life. You think? But we still understand they're pets. Yes. They are not created in the image of God, and therefore they do not have the same value that a human being, born, unborn, disabled, old... Every human being on this planet has more value than your favorite pet ever will. And it makes me think of our friend, we had some friends who had a friend living with them. And the friend who was living with them, a single gal, her dog, while they were gone, got into the daughter's room, the daughter who is a little bit older than Titus, and killed a cage full of guinea pigs. And and the girls were two daughters were understandably distraught. And the owner of the dog was also understandably very distraught. And I I just made the the way the mom processed it made a huge impression on me because she she walked that line where it was like, look, we loved our we loved our pets. We loved the guinea pigs and they were valuable to us and they were special to us. But we love our friend more. We will always love the person even more than we love the animals. And so we're not going to let our relationship with the person suffer because of something that her dog did to a pet that we loved. Um, can I, I never got the full, the full story there. Did they come home to yeah, a carnage. murder, carnage scene murder? Or were, or were they just they gone? Or were no, they, they came home to carnage. <laughs> that sucks. I, I think that's a lot of cleanup. I think they knew, like they could tell enough that they managed to do the cleanup and not have the girls witness the carnage. Okay, it wasn't like the daughter who was probably Lily's age at the time, so nine or so. It's not like she walked mm-hmm. into her bedroom to have blood See everywhere. Blood on the walls. No, and guts I, on I, the bed I think and... it was a little bit more manageable than that. And it might have even oh, been that's funny. Such as I don't. I don't actually Sorry, know. I mean, it's not funny. I don't actually know the details. It might have been, you know, kind of how our cats kill birds and mice. Like it's not crazy gory. It's okay. Oops, I shook that a little bit too hard. That's not a toy, you know. So, we have a daughter staring in the door. She probably wants to play her Kindle, and we're gonna say no. Okay. Um, 
Uh, you guys, I have a confession Uh-oh. to make, and this is this is the first time in my life I have ever uh, even contemplated this. But so you know how we've been listening to random other uh, podcasts occasionally, and and one Molly and I do enjoy is called the Model Health Show. Um, unfortunately, whenever he pitches something for his advertisers and sponsors, I want to buy it. And, I almost, <laughs> and this latest one, uh, this is where the confession comes in. This latest one is for tea. Um, he he sold, he was talking about peak tea and how... P-I-Q-U-E. P-I-Q-U-E. And how wonderfully uh, pure the ingredients are. How fantastic the tea is, how good it is for X, Y, and Z, and what it does to promote X, Y, and Z. And I thought, you know, I'm going to do that. So I ordered some tea. Because part of me is just trying to get out of the habit of, like, drinking whiskey at night or something, or gin, you know. For a while there, it was like, kids would go to bed, I'm going to pour myself a little cocktail before bed, you know. And it, that's just, it gets ridiculous after a Not a great a habit. So... Um, yeah, not a great habit either. So I was just like, you know, it'd be nice to have something. And now I'm getting older. I'm not trying not to drink as much before bed because I don't like getting out of bed in the middle of the night and having to pee. Anyway, I ordered the teas he recommended, these Pouillere teas. One is a green, one is a black. And I remember... And somehow they're fermented. I don't know And how they're that freaking works. amazing. So... A while ago, I was looking for some tea in the cabinet, and I pulled out something. We had some green tea sitting up there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's traditional medicinals or yeah. another brand, but I I brewed it, and I was like, Molly, does this taste normal to you? It tastes terrible. So I gave it to her, and she's like, yeah, that tastes normal. That's I'm how like, it's supposed to taste. <laughs> this is awful. This is disgusting. I don't want this. It so was I dumped a it out. toasted green tea. So I... Ah, oh, hideous. So I dumped it out. And then most teas, my, my problem with most teas, and I do like a few, are they're just they're just too bitter. They're just always super bitter, and I always want to cut down that bitterness. And I'm literally, you guys, I am not promoting anything right now. I'm not getting paid to say anything. I'm drinking some some of the peak tea, blackened the black tea, their peak black tea right now, and I just had some green tea. And I've, I'm actually like sitting back thinking to myself, I would rather drink this than coffee. Whoa. And That's we've wild. got some really good coffee and it's really good. But this tea is exceptional. I've never had tea quite like this. Now, the problem is, um, I don't think, I wonder if I can afford to drink this much tea. This tea. No, this tea. Because this tea is expensive tea. Mm-hmm. It is a dollar seventy a serving. A serving, and there's twenty eight servings in a box, so it's roughly about fifty bucks a box. Mm-hmm. So I ordered a hundred dollars worth of tea. Would if I had to choose? I'm on it. If you, if you had to make me choose right now, whether to drink my high end coffee or my high end tea, I'm taking high end tea every single time. This stuff is really freaking good. That's- so that's my confession. I'm not pitch. I swear up and down, they're not paying me to say this. I just was laughing because when I mentioned to Molly that I ordered some tea after hearing him pitch something on the Model Health Show, she goes, "Oh, that's funny because I just I, he was pitching something the last one of the episodes I was seeing, so I ordered some of this stuff and I don't really like it." Yeah, and it's a powder, which I think would be awesome to include. Yeah, some of you guys have probably heard of it. It's Organifi, and I ordered a a red powder 
that is supposed to be a red drink, and he had compared it to like his son, who's probably Titus's age, drinks it instead of Hawaiian Punch or whatever. Hmm. None of our kids will drink it straight. And so I add a scoop sometimes into smoothies when I'm making mm-hmm. it. But the the flavor, I, I think it's primarily the fact that it's sweetened with monk fruit. It just tastes weird to me. So it has to be cut with a smoothie for me to be able to drink it. But it's got all sorts of fantastic ingredients for you. And then there's also a a golden hot chocolate, which is supposed to be soothing. It's got all the mush- mushrooms. It's got turmeric. And it the sweetened with monk fruit. Monk fruit to me tastes like aspartame. It just ha- hmm. has a weird flavor that makes me feel kind of sick to my stomach. And so I've tried cutting it with all sorts of things, and I still don't like drinking the golden. And it was like fifty dollars for a tub. Yeah, of it. I mean, I would love to mix the idea because I've got protein shakes, and I add this and that and the other, and I'm adding MCT oil to that, and that's been awesome for just like just a great. I always feel like, you know, as a guy, we're always looking for more, a little more protein in our diet. And so having that is like for breakfast is really great. But you can't add, it's chocolate, peanut butter chocolate. So I can't add like <laughs> fruit to that. I yeah. mean, I guess I could, but it would be kind of weird. So there's, the funny thing about you ordering the peak tea is there's all these health influencers that I follow who always are drinking it and promoting it because when they promote it, they get a kickback. When If you buy it using their discount code, you get a kickback. Maybe I should call him and ask for a discount code. It's really good. No, I'm not lying. It is good. And it's super it I, is super pure because tea <laughs> tea is like if they spray it with any sort of pesticide or herbicide or anything, you're you're putting it right into your into your water. And the other thing, so it's you don't brew the tea, you guys. No, it this comes is where I was gonna crystals, go to and there's like a powder. Yeah. And the reason for that is because most tea bags either have bleach in them if they're like a fabric type of tea bag, Mm -hmm. or if they're a plastic one, they have microplastics in them, which actually are small enough that they get into your bloodstream and your lungs. So there are people who, for whom microplastics is a big buzzword, and so they want to avoid any... uh, unnecessary bad for you stuff being added into the tea that you think you're drinking because it's good for you. And so this is already totally brewed and it's, it comes like a Starbucks via package. Well, I'll tell you what, it's super, it's super easy to like, you don't have to worry about like getting over steeping or getting the Mm -hmm. right, like it dissolves almost instantaneously. But I think I was looking at it the other day going, I think this black tea would be awesome iced. So I'm like really stoked to have like iced tea in the summer. Iced tea in the summer. So anyway, this is super like that's sometimes I hate being me because like he and I don't think he's a good like it's a great podcast and we've talked about it in the past because it's just really informative and he's really well balanced and he's not a kook and you know he doesn't poo poo. You know, he uses he backs up everything he says with a ton of research and he's very measured. If you guys listen to the our podcast yeah. that we were big on um, a while ago. But no, the confession was like I've actually contemplated because this tea is so expensive. Switching from expensive. Would coffee. I would I cut either cut way back on my coffee because I make a whole pot in the morning, drink it up through noon, cut but way back on that to like, you know an AeroPress or something because it's delicious when I want it or just switch full over to tea. 
I wouldn't leave behind my my coffee. <sighs> I love coffee, but I like this tea better. And I have to imagine it's a little healthier for me. Maybe. Yeah, I don't yeah, probably. I don't know. Coffee's so good though. This tea's mm. better. I'm I'm gonna be honest, this tea's better. Okay. So better. while you were gone, sorry, we're that stop. was super random. And yep. So one more thing for me to talk about. While you were gone, I walked across our back driveway. Not back driveway, back mm-hmm. whatever, whatever it is, backyard. To our behind the ditch neighbors who also go to our church and had invited me to come talk at their podcast or their their small group or lead a discussion because several of them hi Kathy, hi Jan, hi Sandy, hi Ty. Did you say Sandy, Ty? Listen to our podcast. And I had actually had to cancel once before because some I had sick kids and didn't know if it was going to spread to me and spread to them. But so it was Monday, Thursday. And I so I figured, you know, let's have a discussion about what happened on Monday, Thursday. So I'm going to ask you this same question I asked them. Why do you know why Monday, Thursday is called Monday, Thursday? It's the Thursday before Good Friday. Mm -hmm. So during Holy Week. Do you know why it's called that? I've heard it before. Oh, I've definitely heard it before, but I don't. So it comes from the Latin mandatum, which we are all well familiar with because the word mandate comes from that. The translation of mandatum in the New Testament, in our English New Testament, is commandment. And so in the upper room, Jesus gives the disciples, he washes their feet, and then he sends Judas out, and then he starts talking and it's almost half of John eh, maybe more than a quarter of the book of John is Jesus talking in the upper room John 13 through partway through 18 is Jesus talking in the upper room with his disciples on Monday Thursday and it gets its name from the end of John 13 where he says a new commandment I give you to love He's one mandating. another a new mandate I give you to love one another. And so we discussed, I wanted to kind of focus on discussing what's new about the commandment to love one another, because the Old Testament, when Jesus is asked what the most important commandment is, he quotes the Old Testament to say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So why is it new to say love one another when it's been said in the Old Testament? And so I wanted to kick off that discussion, but... I ended up, as I was kind of Googling, trying to find discussion points, I ended up coming across a book that uh, Sinclair Ferguson wrote. And now I have to look it up really quickly so I can say the name of it. And then I'll send JR the link to it. But Lessons from the Upper Room. It's not a cheap paperback. It's a $17 paperback. And you can also find on I don't know how, how motivated are you to post links JR uh, I will post whatever link you feel would be a benefit to our okay so our so our, our Lig- Ligonier Ministries is the one who published this book and they also based the book off of a series of lectures that they hosted Sinclair Ferguson giving a number of years ago and you can find the lectures for free on oh I didn't go through to anyway I'll find it but you can find the lectures for free 
in audio or video form on Ligonier Ministries website. And I I started listening to the first one and then scanned the book because there was also a link to the book that Together for the Gospel had posted last year as kind of a promotion for the book. And the that focused more on the beginning of John 13, which is Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And Ferguson does this really interesting comparison of the the pericope, the section of scripture describing Jesus washing the disciples' feet with, he juxtaposes that with Philippians 2 and the the hymn that Paul has there that that Jesus being in very nature of God with did of God did not consider equality with God something, something to be grasped. grasped but made himself nothing taking the very nature mm-hmm. of a servant so he has this chart in the in the article and also in his book that uh and I will send this to you so you can post it but for example in the John passage it says Jesus knowing that he had come from God and Philippians 2 says, though he was in the form of God. And then John 13 says, he rose from the supper and laid aside his outer garments. Philippians 2 says, he emptied himself. And taking a towel, Philippians 2 says, taking the form of a servant, poured water into a basin, humbled himself. And then at the, at the end, Jesus then puts back his robes, puts his robes back on and sits back down at the head of the table and flip the parallel to that in Philippians 2 is that he God has exalted him as a result of his obedience and his humility. Super interesting parallels that he draws there. And I really enjoyed two things in particular. So I ended up focusing more on the washing of the disciples' feet than I did on the new commandment part mm-hmm. because of the way Sinclair Ferguson had described it and one of them is i i know i've heard this before but it hadn't really sunk into me the book of john is divided into four sections it's got the prologue which i had the kids i never did this with the kids i told them they had to memorize not had to if they memorized john 1 1 through 17 by easter i told them i'd pay them a dollar per verse and they the two older ones accomplished it and I haven't had them recite it and paid them yet, so I need to make that happen before we leave for Hawaii. But that means that I also memorized John 1, 1 through 17 with the kids because I was drilling them and reviewing it with them every day. And when you spend that much time in it, I started to feel the inner logic and the flow of that instead of it honestly feeling like a lot of word salad. You know, like mm-hmm. the word and John said, you know, John, there was a man who came from God. His name was John. And John says this. And then a little while later, John says something that sounds almost exactly the same. But but after saying it over and over, there's a there's an inner logic there. And then saying it all over and over again, you start to recognize that there's key words in that first bit that then John uses throughout the book. And one of them is I had to I looked this up with what limited Greek resources I have right now but in the NIV the old NIV that I had the kids memorizing in because that's what I knew mm-hmm. is the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not 
what? The darkness is not... Mm. Do you know what I'm talking about? In the NIV, it's the light shines in the darkness, the 1984 NIV, and the darkness has not overcome it. Oh. The... No. NIV. The darkness has not understood it. ESV and the new NIV says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And those seem like crazy different words to use. And the Greek word to nerd out on you is katalambano, which means to take. So Paul uses the word katalambano when he says, I press forward to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. So to take a prize is the same word as the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not taken the the light it can also mean to defeat like take a prisoner or win a battle Mm -hmm. take a prize it can also mean to take knowledge as in to understand something and uh i i was pointing this out and the difference of language and somebody at the small group was like well which one is it and i was like or which one do you prefer? And I was like, okay, first of all, <laughs> I'm not a Greek scholar and real smart people seem to have a consensus these days that it should be overcome because I tend to trust the translators of the of the ESV and the NIV has now moved in that direction. And so there seems to be a consensus of that. I actually really like the darkness has not understood it, though. Because when you get to John 13, well, all throughout the book of John, so that, okay, I'm going to backtrack, mental bookmark again. The, <laughs> the, typing it after, in now. After you finish the, the prologue to John, which is John 1, 1 through 18, then you get the story of Jesus' earthly ministry. And that's John 1, 19 through the end of chapter 12, which is sprinkled. It's Jesus doing miracles to show that he is the Messiah. He is the Savior. So he, wedding at Cana, he turns the water to wine. He does these miracles. And it's not a one-to-one ratio, like miracle and then an I am statement. But John is also known for the I am statements of Jesus, right? So he does miracles. And by and large, the people seeing the miracles don't understand why he's doing it. He even says, my time has not yet come and things like that for why he won't explain things or why he won't go to Jerusalem prematurely. And John 12 ends with a healing that the people don't understand. Mary and Martha don't understand what Jesus means when he says, I am the resurrection and the life and that they'll see Lazarus again. There's all this not understanding who Jesus is either by what he says or by what he does. John 13 then is called that up through the epilogue, which is Jesus reinstating Peter after Peter's denial of him. That's called the basically the passion section. And mm-hmm. it starts with the upper room discourse and goes through Jesus' resurrection. And that... That section begins with Jesus doing what Ferguson calls an acted out parable, which is the washing of the disciples' feet. And I have, we have talked about this on the show before. Mm-hmm. When Jesus says, as I've washed your feet, so you also should wash my feet, is he literally meaning that when you get married, you should wash each other's feet, you know, right after you light your unity candle? Or 
in Francis Schaeffer kind of railed on this, apparently, because back in his hippie Christian days, he people were essentially elevating it to the level of a sacrament in the Christian church. So uh, sacraments would be baptism and the Lord's Supper. And they were considering foot foot washing on a par with those things, which we Presbyterians would for sure balk at. But a lot of other non-Presbyterians, Francis Schaeffer was a Presbyterian. It, no, not a normal one, but, um, but so, so what does Jesus mean when he says that? Well, Schaefer or Schaefer, Sinclair Ferguson says that it's more along the lines of the old Testament prophets when Jesus said, act out, or when God told them, act these things out like Hosea, go marry Gomer, um, Jeremiah, you know, go do, is he the one who had to lie on his side? I can't. It might have been remember. Ezekiel. Remember Ezekiel? Now yeah. you can go to health food stores and buy Ezekiel bread because he had to mash all these things together and then cook them <laughs> over poop, which Ezekiel bread is not cooked over dung. And somehow people bread. think they're eating a biblical bread because it's got a Bible verse on it. Um, <laughs> I used to also. Even I, It was, tastes like cardboard, but it's good for you. Um, but but in in making, in cooking his food over poop, he's acting out how incredibly defiled the people of Israel are, right? Mm-hmm. He's not he's he's showing them something about who God is who God is and what he's saying. Jesus in John 13 is acting out a truth, which is that the Philippians 2 truth. He's physically acting out that though he was God, he emptied himself taking the form of a servant and then mm-hmm. God highly exalted him. How do we follow that example? is not by literally washing each other's feet, but by emptying ourselves and right. serving. Anyway, um, several times in John 13, this is this is going back to the bookmark, so yeah. several times I've in John noted here. 13, because I have a thought on that, Jesus too. says, do you understand what I'm doing here? So I love the link between the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not understood, understood it. it. And then in John 13, Jesus says, do you understand? And they still don't. Because then he says several times, um, do you, you know, he, he says, one of you is going to betray me. And Peter's across the table from John and he's like, ask him who it is. You know, and then Jesus hands the bread to Judas and says, go do what you need to do. And the people are like, and and the disciples are like, oh, maybe he's going to go buy us something. Like they have, they don't understand, even though Jesus clearly says one of you is going to betray me multiple times throughout the book of John. So they don't understand, but also the darkness has not overcome the light because, you know, in John, Judas leaves in John 13 and it says, and it was night. And it's not just a commentary on the time of day. It's also a commentary on the growing darkness leading up to the um, mm-hmm. leading up to the crucifixion, when, of course, the sun stopped shining in the middle of the day. But the darkness does not ultimately overcome. And uh, the disciples at the very end of John, remember, they're the same ones who, what were we watching just recently? Shoot, what did we watch recently where the teacher was like, 
you know, Jesus had this playfulness in the resurrection. Did I watch that with you? What did I watch recently? Was it Andrew? Was Andrew Peterson? It was Andrew Peterson in his concert. Yeah. yeah, he's talking about Jesus' playfulness in the resurrection, and you know, like he doesn't have to walk through doors, but he does, and scares the <laughs> crap out of everybody. And I was like, "Got any food?" And you know, the John, the road to um, what is it, Emmaus, where they're, you know, he's walking with them, with the disciples, and they don't recognize him, and they don't recognize him, and then he. Um, you know, and then he's like, Hey, it's me, you know, and come in and freak them all out. Peace be with you. Like, <laughs> no, don't freak us out like that. Anyway. Um, I liked that. Peace be with you dudes. Yeah. That, that much, that piece that Andrew Peterson added to, uh, my understanding of that, but the, the, uh, I mean, even to the very end of John, no, they, even those who were to be part of the light don't understand until Jesus actually opens their eyes and lets allows the light to shine into their hearts. So that's that's it. I spent a lot of time in John last week. Now I can tell, man, that's awesome. Um, I got by the way, I had several people walk up to me and tell me how just stinking brilliant you were um, and how wonderful it was that you spoke to to their small group to their small group. So. It was fun. You guys, we did we did have a listener uh, who wants Molly and I to come down and speak at like a little mini marriage retreat thing, which I kind of chuckle at. It's probably going to be something similar to this. We're going to decide <laughs> on a story. I'm going to be like, hey, Molly, remember that time we did this? And then Molly's going to talk and teach. It's going to be awesome. And I'm going to be up there to satisfy all the weird, you know, patriarchal types. And But it's Molly. It's all Molly. Jared will be there to I no. don't. I, I was going to say you'd be I there to remind everyone much. that you're weird and hard, but <laughs> yeah. we're both weird and hard. I don't add much. Uh, okay, cool. You know, I think I was just looking, uh, one of the things I was just looking at, going back to tea, I think I can have my own referral code. I just need to create an account. I don't think I ever created an account when I did this. I just, because oh. I'm trying to avoid, maybe it's my weirdness, but I'm trying to avoid like creating unnecessary accounts just because I have to, like I can mm-hmm. order from you without creating an account. I don't have to also, account. if you can, there's so many websites now that allow you to just log into PayPal mm-hmm. and pay through them. I've, yeah. I've ordered lots of clothes for the kids from old Navy and I can just click pay through PayPal and I don't need to create an account, which is delightful. Yeah. I mean, I think my keeper, I use keeper, we use keeper security for our password manager and yeah, and it's just this, another layer of internet protection. But I think we're at like five or 600 passwords now. It's ridiculous. Is, it's crazy. I mean, this it dates back a lot of years, too. But anyway, um, so if I do come up with a, with, a, with a referral code, I'll include it in the show notes. And I'll include the link to whatever League of Air Ministries thing you were talking about. I forgot. The, the Sinclair Ferguson yeah, Talks. Yeah, the Sinclair Ferguson Talks. Um Man, I don't have anything else. Anything else you want to tell our listeners before we don't we we don't get to talk to them for a week? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I was actually kind of contemplating trying to record again in the next few days so you could post one next oh. week. But I don't know that we're gonna have time for that because it's really only two days. Yeah, it's really only two days, and I've got a whole I've got to spend an afternoon spraying my yard for weeds. Yeah, with the with the mower and stuff. So, um. We will be around, though, you guys. So if you want to join us in conversation between shows um, or interact with other listeners about what you hear on the show or 
about anything I mean, else. La- yeah, this last week it was all about East favorite Easter songs and Easter hymns. Like I just it was crazy. And now that Thomas had, joined, we're all talking about Alaska. Yep. Hey <laughs> Thomas, thank you for joining. We had a couple new. I think Robert joined last week. Thomas joined last week. So uh, that's Telegram. It's a chat application. I'll include the Telegram link in the show notes for you guys to, um, if you want to join that group, you can. And Molly and I will be there outside of, well, Molly's on Instagram all the time um, and Facebook. Molly loves social media. She's on it all the time. I'm not. And outside of that, Telegram is probably our most active off air mm-hmm. channel. For so, sure. um, so join us there. We'd love to have you uh, join us and introduce yourself and tell everybody how great you are. And if you uh, feel so led to order a coffee mug or a t-shirt that says people are weird and hard, those are on our website, www.toobusytoflush, all grammatically correct, .com. Um, you can also send us a postcard while you're there. If you don't want to join telegram and write messages to us. Um, I think that's it. You know, send us uh, send us a note, say hi, tell your friends about us. That's a huge compliment. And um, man, that's all I got. Aloha. Aloha. Get off the plane, get a lay around your neck. Hello. They don't do that anymore unless you fly first class. Really? I think so. They did or that to like fly. everybody when we flew to the Big Island, like ten. Well, that was like twelve years ago. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Now they. At least, at least they're not. They were handing out Q-tip up our noses. They were handing out masks, <laughs> with flowers on them. <laughs> um, hilarious. Okay, cool. Well, guys, it was awesome to record another episode, and we will look forward to hearing from you all. Yeah, we won't hear you next week, but the week after. Take care. Bye.